Hey, everybody, it's Matt. This episode of our Growing Greater podcast, it's made possible in part by EY and the law firm of Ballard Spar. And as we kick off, let's thank the team at Citizens Bank. With deep, proud, local roots, the professionals of Citizens Bank focus on performing their best every day so they can do more for their customers and their colleagues, for their communities and their shareholders. As one of the oldest and largest financial services firms in the United States, Citizens Bank offers retail and commercial banking products and services to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, and large corporations and institutions. Their award-winning mobile apps, robust online offerings, 24-7 customer contact center, more than 3,200 ATMs and 1,200 bank branches across 11 states, it all comes together, allowing the Citizens Bank team to help their customers bank better every day. And what truly makes Citizens Bank unique? Well, it's their people who strive to always exceed expectations, delivering on their commitment to their customers and the communities they serve. You can learn more at citizensbank.com and join me in thanking Citizens Bank for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. This is Growing Greater. Stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. All of those individuals have been sidelined in some manner from the regular economy. And our job is to help get them back in the game with a work experience and a real job. Far and away, the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. For history buffs and fans of President Teddy Roosevelt, you may recognize this incredibly inspiring quote from our 26th president of the United States. The spirit of this quote, it comes to life in this episode of Growing Greater, where we showcase two organizations with leaders who are changing lives, one job at a time. For more than 40 years, Baker Industries has been helping businesses and communities by including individuals who are often sidelined due to various challenges. With robust operations in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia, Baker's Workforce Development Program, well, it unlocks each person's unique potential for success, allowing them to contribute to society, folks who are often never given a chance or who need a second chance. The Baker team provides workforce opportunities for adults who are challenged by intellectual or physical disability, adults on parole or probation, adults with a substance use disorder, and adults struggling with housing insecurity. Rich Bevan, that's who we heard at the top of our program. He leads the team at Baker Industries, and they're helping folks get off the sidelines, providing them with training, support, and opportunities to advance their career and in life. Equally important, the Baker team is helping companies of all sizes and from across all industries by providing skilled talent in those hard-to-fill jobs. And while those jobs may not be all that glamorous, they are driving the success of companies and our economy. 
This episode, it's the first in a new series that we're calling From the Neighborhood, that we're producing in partnership with Citizens Bank, where we showcase stories of businesses that are impacting their neighborhoods in significant ways. Rich joined us in the studio back in March of 2020, just before the pandemic swept across the U.S., and we gathered with Bill Stockwell. He's the fourth-generation owner and leader of Stockwell Elastomerics, a family business in Northeast Philadelphia that has, for just over 100 years now, evolved and adapted to meet their clients' needs. Today, the Stockwell team produces highly customized components for the technology sector. Recognizing an industry-wide need to ensure a steady pipeline of skilled talent, Bill took action. He's co-founder of a novel group known as the Philly Manufacturing Growth Network. That's where he first met Rich and the team at Baker Industries. Here, Bill explains more about this unique group and the inspiration behind the organization. So I was part of a group of around 10 CEOs that were invited to participate in Mayor Michael Nutter's Philadelphia Manufacturing Task Force. Mm -hmm. And that was around, oh my, about 2013, 2014. Okay. We had many meetings talking about what are we going to do to keep manufacturing the city? There were a handful of CEOs. I say some of the best and brightest of small to mid-sized manufacturing CEOs in the city mm-hmm. were after the report was filed, we kind of looked at each other and now what? And so it was 2016, I think it was, I decided to reach out to some of these guys and say, let's, let's keep this conversation going. Yeah. And so we invited him out for some beers at a place called Maggie's up in Northeast Philadelphia. And sure enough, people showed up. Yeah. Hey, and I manufacturing talk, guys, beers, come on. Yeah, you, you absolutely, know what you're doing. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and so the conversation was, what do you guys want to do? Yeah. Okay. We almost wanted to write our thoughts in blood. We were mm. going to stay in town. We were going to leave town. Mm-hmm. But further, we had to grow our businesses despite the obstacles of being in the Northeast city. Right. And those obstacles are legendary. We won't go into that right now. Sure. Okay? Yeah, I'm with you. So we decided to grow our businesses no matter what. Right. Well, the funny thing is, we were talking about getting revenue, getting revenue. In about the first quarter of 2017, everybody's complaining about business is great. I can't find any help. Mm-hmm. And we had a really tough time finding help. Right. We had, you know, all of our employees looking for, you know, family members, neighbors, friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we were meeting on occasion. Nobody had any great ideas. We did have a bit of an oath about no poaching each other. Sure. Okay. Smart. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. Got to build trust. That's right. And then the following year, we met Rich Bevan. Mm-hmm. And Rich Bevan, of course, is the CEO of Baker Industries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in all of the meetings previous to this, nobody had ever spoken of hiring returning citizens. Right. Or hiring people off the sidelines. Right. That didn't enter into our scope at all because a number of us, me included, had some bad experiences with that. Sure. Almost embarrassing experiences. Right. Basically bringing somebody in under my wing and then perhaps watching them fail. Right. It was tough. Right. And yeah. so that didn't even enter our scope. And so we invited Rich in for a meeting mm-hmm. again at Maggie's mm-hmm. and he presented on the possibility of looking at this population of people. Right. Uh, we had no idea how many returning citizens spill back into their Philadelphia regional community every year. Right. I can imagine. We didn't understand about Baker. Right. And their intensive training program. And so we listened to that. We thought about it. 
and it was November of 2018, we made our first hire. Nice. From Baker. Nice. A young lady who had gone through the intensive training program. We hired her second in April of 2019. They're both still with us, contributing to good work and contributing to our culture as well. Right. And you know, it was funny. I was worried about what it would be like to go to my people and say, I'm going to hire a returning citizen. Mm-hmm. So I kind of tiptoed around the floor to a couple of people. I said, yep. what do you think about this? One guy says, well, you know, I did time. <laughs> I had no idea. Right, okay. right. And as it turns out, half of the people in our production area either know somebody, yeah. a family member right. or a neighbor who has done time and incarceration. Yeah. yeah. So it's no big deal in a sense. But the key thing is why it worked out so well for us hiring Baker people mm-hmm. is the intensive training program. Right. That's been the key. Right. And some other guys from the network, the Philadelphia Manufacturing Growth Network, have also stepped up and they've made hires. And I'll tell you, it's been a great thing to see these guys do this because, you know, we all wanted to help the city of Philadelphia. Right. And I realize it's only one, two, three, seven or eight hires, whatever it is right now. Right. But we're making an impact. And more importantly, we're building a hiring model here. Mm Mm-hmm a model that we think we can roll out and really have it be a way to go about this. Absolutely. And Bill, I would take it a step further and say one of the things I'm hearing is there's at least three and maybe more folks that you're helping. So yeah, you're helping the city of Philadelphia, as you talked about, reaffirming and recommitting your operations in the manufacturing space to the city and specifically to Northeast Philadelphia and I suspect other parts of the city as well. But you're also helping your own organizations you're helping your customers, you're helping your fellow employees because now they have additional resources to build on, but perhaps equally, maybe more importantly, you're helping those re-entry citizens get back on their feet and contribute not only to your organization, but to contribute to their own success in life. Absolutely. Our goal is to have these returning citizens become independent. Mm -hmm. We hire at the living wage Mm-hmm. which is important. We're hiring full-time. Right. They're getting health benefits. Yep. That's key. It is. And the first person we hired is in the 401k. Right. She's now eligible for quarterly bonuses. Right. She's on her feet. That's great. And the second lady that we hired is just doing exceedingly well. I walk into the shop seven o'clock in the morning and she's just like a beaming ray of light. Right. She's just so glad to have the opportunity. Right. And what's really cool too is we have guys on the floor who have helped coach these people, teaching them how to do data entry into the computer, teaching them how to use a caliper. And it really warms your heart to see what, the way they interact and the way they're trying to coach to success. It's fantastic. Right. That is fantastic. Bill, I'm going to go a step further as well and say you're changing lives. You really are. And I want to bring in your partner who is helping you to change lives. And you've referenced Rich a couple times, and I'd love to introduce Rich into our conversation. Rich Bevan, president of Baker Industries. Thanks for joining us, Rich. Thanks, Matt. So, Rich, same kind of approach. How do you describe to the average person when you meet him or her, what is Baker Industries? Well, Baker Industries is really unusual. We're a nonprofit that started very much as an entrepreneurial venture. Our founders, Charles and Wheezy Baker, both still with us. Nice. Started the company 40 years ago. Wow. It was a nonprofit. 
because they wanted to provide an opportunity for their son who had a significant disability. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity they wanted to provide was for that person to have a real job, not be in a training program or in a community center. Sure. They wanted him to have a real job earning a wage. So they began Baker out in the suburbs with a focus on disabled adults. Mm -hmm. But after a few years in operation, they quickly grew, acquired a series of facilities, and got a call from a homeless shelter in Northeast Philadelphia that had other adults that were challenged to find work. Mm -hmm. They were adults on parole and probation. Mm -hmm. They were adults in recovery. Right. They were adults who were homeless. Right. And so they continued their entrepreneurial spirit and acquired facility in North Philly and began to extend the mission to those communities as well. It sounds like it was a natural extension Mm -hmm. when you think about it, helping people who need a little bit of extra support and guidance to really thrive and succeed in life with those who are experiencing a very similar kind of situation, but just a different set of circumstances, whether it's homelessness or reentry or other kinds of challenges that oftentimes, generally speaking, I know this is a broad kind of stroke here, but they don't get a fair shake sometimes. They get overlooked. They get discounted naturally because of the position they happen to hold in society at a given time. That's very true. Yeah. Those populations represent a huge untapped resource for the business community and the city and the city at large. Mm -hmm. All of those individuals have been sidelined in some manner from the regular economy. Yeah. Yeah. And our job is to help get them back in the game with a work experience and a real job. So... Can you recall, and maybe you were there at the time as well, either as a staff member or a volunteer, because you're now president of Baker Industries. Did you come in as a staff member or did you kind of discover Baker as a professional working in a different industry? I joined Baker about six years ago as a board member. Okay. I was working in the private sector in healthcare where I spent about 36 years of my career Mm -hmm. in general management roles and human resources roles. Mm -hmm. And one thing I understood from my business career was the value of a job and a job is more than just a paycheck for most of us it's for sure it's a community it's a place to learn and grow it's a place to contribute and feel productive so i understood inherently baker's mission and why it would be valuable Mm -hmm. people who are being denied that opportunity and so that's what got me onto the board and after a few years on the board, the opportunity arose to assume a leadership role mm-hmm. as, as my predecessor was looking to take a step back. Yeah. And the time was right in my career to make that change, to get more community focused yep. and to continue to further this mission of giving people the opportunity to work, the opportunity to have that level of meaning in their life mm-hmm. and the independence and the confidence and the support that it can lead to. Totally. The confidence part really sticks with me. The ability to impact a person's self-esteem, because as you referenced, a job is so much more than just a paycheck. It really is a community, but equally important that the impact it has on an individual in their mind and their value, their sense of self-worth and contribution to something that's bigger than just them is really significant. Right. So I was asking about your role as a volunteer and a staff member, because I was curious as to how long ago did Wheezy and Charlie make the decision to expand basically their reach to include folks who were also on the sideline, but were experiencing something other than disabilities? It's over 30 years ago. It is that long. Quite a long time. Wow. So they were in many ways ahead of their time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So how big is this part of the operation now where you have a structured approach to welcoming returning citizens? Sure. So we have two large light industrial facilities, one in the suburbs, Malvern, western suburbs, and one in North Philadelphia and Kensington. Mm-hmm. Both facilities support all four of the populations that we work with, mm-hmm. homeless, returning citizens, disabled, and folks suffering from substance use disorder. Mm-hmm. The Kensington facility has a higher proportion of returning citizens. Sure. And mainly because Kensington, and particularly the zip code we're in, 19134, has the most returning citizens of any zip code in the city each each year. And as Bill cited, it was a surprise to him and to me when I joined Baker that over 25,000 returning citizens are coming back into our community every year. Some people estimate that number to be even much higher. But coming out of federal, state, and local incarceration. That's an enormous amount of human capital to absorb into the community, and today it stands largely under-leveraged. Did you pick 19134 intentionally, or did that just happen to be serendipity? I think the bakers, and certainly the tradition since the bakers were running things day to day, has been very much to go where there's need. And so it's not a coincidence we're in 19134. Yeah. That's where there's great need. Yeah. So Bill Stockwell and his team at Stockwell Elastomerics. You got it. He referenced this a couple of times, that the Baker team provides more than just personnel. You provide a structured training program that really almost ensures, and I use that word with caution because there's a lot of variables here, but it ensures success, or at least it increases the probability of it. Talk with us a little bit about that success factor and that success process that you all go through. Well, we have a couple of things we think are unusual in the workforce development space. First of all, we provide a real work opportunity at a real wage and support real customers. So our folks are not just in a simulation experience or a training experience. We actually provide outsourced solutions for about 80 companies across the region. These are real customers with real work assignments. We compete for them in the real marketplace. Nice. Our folks need to have the same concern with quality, with service, with efficiency, with productivity of any for-profit business, and they take a lot of pride in that. But that environment is very instructional because it does provide a, a real focus and preparation for a regular job in a company like Bill's, that's really hard to replicate unless you really are doing real work. So that's unusual, and we take a lot of pride in that. Second thing is unusual is that we've really expanded our focus on the whole person and Mm. building a set of skills and capabilities that are going to allow folks to sustain employment in companies like Bill's. And often those aren't technical skills. Often those are some of the more personal and critical thinking skills that are the difference between success and failure when you join a new company, when you join a new community. Mm-hmm. How well do you make decisions? Do you set goals for yourself? Are you effective at managing change? Because change is inevitable wherever you go. How do you do with that? Are you able to manage and regulate your temperament right. appropriately in a yeah. work situation? I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about The terms that came to mind for me was navigating that social experience in the workplace, which can be hard regardless of your background, frankly. Absolutely right. Yeah. And if you think about so many folks who are with us have really experienced significant trauma in their life. Yeah. Incarceration, violence, hunger, drug addiction. Sure. That, you know, being able to navigate that social community that they join with an employer 
is every bit as important, often very much more important than navigating the technical requirements of yeah, the job. Yeah, that's right. You can learn that technical right. approach. I suspect it might be easier for some than others, but the harder part may be the softer skills to learn. Correct. And I want to come back to something that Bill Stockwell mentioned a moment ago, which is he had the foresight to ask his team, what do you think about this idea? And by making that simple inquiry, you were able to uncover some commonalities that frankly, to your point, we all experience at some point in our lives, or we know somebody, we have a family member, a neighbor, a friend that is experiencing exactly what others in an incarcerated situation are experiencing, or maybe a misuse, abuse, and diversion of medications or illegal drugs or other kinds of challenges. So that socialization component is something that I would suspect the average employee can relate with more than we suspect. I would say yes. You know, it's interesting. Just in the case of the two returning citizens from Baker, they do have to navigate challenges as well as Baker prepares them for private enterprise. Both came to us still on parole. There were occasional transportation issues, housing issues, Mm -hmm. navigating healthcare insurance. Yep. Yep. You know, these are things that we had to learn to help them with. Yeah. And so what we've done with the Philly Manufacturing Growth Network is we've actually added in a layer of additional support. Mm -hmm. What we realized was we wanted to ensure success. You mentioned ensure. Well, nothing's certain, right? Sure. Okay. And so we actually, through Rich, we've actually hired a counselor. Mm-hmm. We call this person a bridge manager mm-hmm. because we picture the Ben Franklin Bridge on one side is the returning citizen. Yeah. On the other side, you have a small to mid-sized manufacturing company. And there's a lot of obstacles along the way to crossing the bridge successfully yep. Yep. to, you know, finish six months to a year with a new company to have an independent lifestyle. And so we've hired a lady who is basically a chaplain. She's an ordained minister mm-hmm. and she has prison ministry in her background. She's nice. like the perfect candidate for yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. And so she's working in Rich's organization to get to know the folks as they're going through the training program and then hopefully being hired along with the returning citizen. Yeah. To provide additional counseling support. Yeah. And it's worked well for us. And it's really important. The phrase that was coming to mind as you were sharing that example is reasonable accommodations. How do we make reasonable accommodations for all of our employees, frankly, let alone those who are experiencing a returning citizen kind of environment with parole and transportation and other kinds of, I suspect, environmental challenges in their home life of being able to just what many of us may take for granted, getting up and going to the workplace in the morning may not be as easy for some others. Well, in the case of our two hires Mm -hmm. and the others that have been hired by other companies in the Philly Manufacturing Growth Network, we are hiring motivated people. Right. These are people who want to change their lives. Right. Yes, they have obstacles. The obstacles may also include getting pulled back into the former lifestyle by family and friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's all tough, right? Yeah. But they want to make a change in their life. They're motivated. They're uniquely motivated. Absolutely. Yes. Bill, I want to shift gears on you slightly, and I want to bring Rich back into our conversation and ask each of you the same question, and maybe we'll get very similar answers, but share with us, Bill, the first time you discovered Baker Industries and when you met Rich Bevan. 
Okay, sure. So we invited Rich to one of our fully manufacturing growth network meetings. Mm Mm-hmm. And Rich presented... Because you were looking for a solution. Yes. And we were introduced to Rich by a fellow named Carter Schelling, who's our executive director for the the Growth Network, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And said, sure, sounds interesting. Let's let's have him tell us what it's all about. And I was affected because Mm -hmm. I had closed that part of the population of potential hires out. Yeah, you've been there, you've done that, you tried it. I was embarrassed by my failures in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, we had some successes, mm-hmm. but the failures outweighed the successes and perhaps those wounds were a little still open. Yeah, okay? sure. sure. And, and so I said, okay, I'm curious about this. And sure enough, I thought it very compelling Yeah. and decided to take a shot at it. Yeah. And yeah. No, no regrets at all. In fact, I'm very glad that we're doing it. I really want to encourage more Philly manufacturers to help us hire these people. These are great people. Right. Right. And help themselves along the way too. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Rich, do you remember that meeting of the Philadelphia Manufacturing Growth Network? I do. And this is the first time I got the opportunity to meet Bill. And I remember being impressed by the sincerity and the real openness that his group of business leaders had to making their businesses better. These are folks running regular businesses in the city not necessarily glamorous businesses, right? Manufacturing, kind of hard-nosed businesses. Sure. And they all were really open to saying, wow, how can I make my business better? And not just better financially, but better from a people perspective. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed with that. Yeah. From our view, as a nonprofit, hoping to help folks achieve regular employment, finding employers who have a level of interest that are prepared to extend themselves, that are prepared to really work and partner with us to create opportunity is really uh, a find and unfortunately kind of unusual. Normally we're kind of trying to knock down a door to get in to have folks consider our candidates. Yeah, that's right. Here we had folks saying, hey, we're interested in what you're doing. We want to try to create opportunity. Let's find out how we can do it together and increase our odds of success. And I like to take that a step further, Rich. Not only were they saying, hey, we kind of like what you're doing. If I could be so bold as to suggest that they were saying, we need help. We need your help. We've been stumped by this challenging situation. And Bill, I want to turn back to you and ask, up until that point, how were you guys trying to solve your pipeline of talent problem? You know, you had mentioned you got together with some peers and as a team and You know, did you have like an incentive program and a referral program and work with trade schools and vote tech schools? And maybe you still do all those kinds of things because you need different channels to meet different needs. But it sounded like you were really in a tough position. Basically, we had company meetings and I would just, I would ask my people, okay, Mm -hmm. who do you know? Right. We're really struggling here. Absolutely. We were actually turning away business. We were working a lot of overtime. That's tough. And then after a while... You have people that are working so much overtime, they didn't show up on a Saturday to run a shift. Right. You've made a promise about that. So yeah. it was tough. Yeah. And the other guys in the network were filling the same pinch. And sure, you can you know, offer bounties sure. or whatever. Yeah, okay? yeah. Okay. Yeah. But after a while, it runs dry. Mm-hmm. And then we were having problems because our people were being poached. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it got really tough after a while. And so basically, we're looking for a new avenue right now. The business isn't growing as fast as it was in 2017, 2018, if you will. Right. It's pretty much a sideways year in 2019. Yeah. But every year we have people rolling off on, you know, retirement. Sure. Making life changes. Yeah. So 
all of us in the manufacturing sector are looking for motivated, entry-level people. We don't necessarily need people that have a great trade skill. Mm -hmm. We're looking for people who want to learn, who want to improve their lives and join something. Right. Makes sense. It really does. I want to get a little granular on you, if I could. Do you remember the the meeting? Was it an evening gathering at one of your manufacturing shops, or was it at the tavern where you gathered? We had a great evening at Yards Brewing. Yards was gracious enough to host a gathering there, Yeah, and it was a great time just to connect yep. everybody together. Yep. At the time, Yards had an employee, and mm-hmm. they were looking for hiring another one, we hope. And how long ago was this gathering? That was back in November, as I recall, early November. Okay. So how long have you had folks from Baker working with your team? Oh, that was from the November before. Actually. Right. That's where I was going right. with this is that very first time you met Rich when he came in to present. Oh, sure. Certainly. So basically, Rich came in to present to the Philly Manufacturing Growth Network. It was a couple of months later where Rich and I continued the conversation. Right. And he came up to our shop. Okay. And that's what Rich will do. Right. He'll come up into your production facility. He'll review the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. He'll get a, a good sense of the culture. Mm-hmm. He'll get a good sense of whether or not there's commitment from supervision to allow for a good entry of somebody. Mm-hmm. And so he read us as a company that was ready to make a hire. Yeah. He looked at some of the job skills and he basically picked three candidates to come up mm-hmm. and they all came up in the same day. We hired one. Thankfully, the other two were hired by somebody else nice. within a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So that was a real success for me. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because we only wanted to hire one at first. Right. And then we hired the second person in, in April after that. Nice. Yeah. Great. And I'm glad you spelled that out because that's I, what I really wanted to get granular about was after that first initial presentation that Rich and the team at Baker provided to the Philadelphia Manufacturing Growth Network, I really wanted to know what your next step was. Right. And, and you shared that with right. Rich coming to assess the workplace and figure out, can we provide a solution here? And are you the right match for us? That's very important. It's a two-way street. Here we're basically repackaging this product and shrink wrapping it in groups of four and then reboxing it and relabeling it. Because it's a pharmaceutical product, there's a lot of uh, lot control and making sure we're tracking what we're doing. But we do many thousands of these in a given week. When visiting the Baker Industries operation in Malvern, Pennsylvania, we can feel the pride of the team as they focus on their work. It's a dynamic shop environment with projects ranging from packaging for a global pharmaceutical company to creating reading kits of children's books. With clients around the corner and around the world, including in Denmark and in Israel, the Baker team not only provides jobs for people with disabilities or who are re-entering the workforce after incarceration, they are helping companies of all sizes and across all industries to be successful and to grow. And speaking of talented professionals who are focused on delivering growth and impact, let's thank the team at EY for their support of this podcast. At EY, their purpose is building a better working world. The insights and quality services they provide help build trust and confidence in the capital markets and in economies the world over. Through their four integrated service lines, assurance, advisory, tax, and transaction services, and their deep sector knowledge, the EY team is helping their clients to capitalize on new opportunities and access and manage risk to deliver responsible growth. 
The people of EY believe that a better working world is one where economic growth is sustainable and inclusive. You can learn more at EY.com. And join me in thanking EY for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. Now let's get back to our conversation with Rich Bevan of Baker Industries and Bill Stockwell of Stockwell Elastomerics. Rich, if I could, share with us a little bit about your business model, if I'm not getting too granular on this. How does your team generate revenue and what's your relationship with an employer? Are you a subcontractor and the employee for a while is an employee of yours or or how does that all work? So our model as a nonprofit is we have a couple of revenue streams, Matt. One is we get revenue for the work we do on behalf of those 80 customers across the region. That's unusual for a nonprofit, but it's been the model since the beginning of Baker, and it's part of providing real work for real pay to provide a real work experience. Right. Second revenue stream is much like any nonprofit is fundraising and donations. We're also a bit unusual in that all of our fundraising and donations come from private sources. Mm. So today we have no government sources funding our program. We have foundations that support our mission and cause, individuals Mm -hmm. that support our mission and cause, as well as fundraising events. Yep. Our model has really been based on providing uh, a real work experience and supplementing that with what we call job readiness development that focus on personal development those social skills communication skills Mm -hmm. adaptability flexibility confidence the things that are going to help someone become a really effective employee you know businesses in my own experience over a lot of years of being responsible for hiring really underestimate the cost of turnover and they underestimate the value of having someone who's able to integrate into your work and mm-hmm. be successful. So our goal, putting our minds together, Philly Manufacturing and Baker, was to reduce the risk of failure, mm-hmm. increase the odds of success, and therefore create a lot of value, a value for the individual who's going to get an opportunity, and quite a lot of value for the business. Just to give you some detail or specifics, over the past 15, 16 months, actually since Bill made the first hire, companies that have been affiliated with Philadelphia Manufacturing have hired 13 individuals. Nice. Of those, 11 are still on the job, mm-hmm. have been there for the better part of a year succeeding. Now, for if you talk to most manufacturers and employers in this region and say, gee, What's your turnover rate in year one of a job? They're going to tell you anything from 30, 40, 50, 60, 100%. -hmm. And retailers, sometimes 200%. So our batting average is is tracking a lot better than that. Absolutely. And that creates economic value for the employer and obviously creates social value for the community. Yeah, for sure. That's a a great track record of success so far. So far. For sure, only to get better. Rich and Bill, I have three wrap-up questions for you. The first is, and this is multifaceted because... This is a three-part question (laughs) for each of you and your shared mission. So where will Stockwell be in the next three, five, 10 years from now? Where will Baker Industries be in the next three, five, 10 years from now? And where will this really unique program of connecting, re-entering citizens to companies so that they can help that company, help our community and also help themselves. Where will that program be? And by the way, does that program have a name? I mean, is it just called the re-entry program, or does it get more fancy than that? 
<laughs> well, originally the Philadelphia Manufacturing Growth Network was a support network just to help companies who wanted to join up with us to succeed. Yeah. But the mission has certainly been more focused on hiring from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. We think we've really tugged on some heartstrings. I like that name. Maybe that's what we call it. Well, you know, hiring from the sidelines. Perhaps yes. Perhaps <laughs> yes. Sure. Sure. And you know what's interesting? You you know the people, the average listener may not really appreciate that CEOs have hearts. Mm-hmm. We want to make a difference. Yes, we have a hard business to run. We need to make profits. We need to make decisions, and not all of it goes well or goes right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we do want to make a difference. We do want to make a difference for Philadelphia. We really want Philadelphia to be a, a great city. Yeah. It would be good for all of us. To answer your other question, in three to five years, well, you know, our business has 91 people and we do about $27 million in business. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to have explosive growth. Incremental growth would be just fine. Uh, we're an ESOP also. So mm-hmm. we're trying to build a value nice. for, the, for the people. I'm the fourth generation. I'm the last Stockwell, so ah. and so behind me, there's nobody else named Stockwell, and so based on my my age, three to five years, that might be it for me. We'll see. Right. So we need to find another person like me to be running this going forward. We have hopes and aspirations for the future, certainly. Nice. So we do have some goals for what we're doing with the reentry. We'd like to get to twenty hires. Mm-hmm. And we want to really check this model and make sure it's really working for everybody, for the returning citizens, for Rich's organization, Mm -hmm. and for the manufacturers. And then, okay, what can we do from there to expand it, to grow it? You know, one of the things I wrestle with is transportation issues. Yeah. You know, in the city of Philadelphia, people can get around, but there are employers begging for entry-level people in Bucks and Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. How do we get people... From Kensington up there. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Is that a dream? Okay. In a seamless and efficient way. It would be great. That's an aspiration I have as far as growing this in the future. Yeah. But right now, I want to get to 20 Mm -hmm. and and just check and see how it goes and then build it from there. I love that vision. Yeah. That's great. Rich, same question. Where's Baker going to be in the next three to five years? Well, compared to Bill and Stockwell at 100 years, we're just teenagers at 40 years, you know. That's right. But uh, but we fully intend to keep serving our mission, and there's an awful lot of need, an awful lot of opportunity in Philadelphia to keep serving the communities we serve. So we certainly want to increase our impact, certainly want to grow, serve more returning citizens, more disabled adults, more homeless, more folks in recovery. One of the things I think we're both excited about growing is employer partnerships. You know, Bill has been a tireless advocate to recruit other businesses to join him in adopting this approach and model for hiring. Mm-hmm. And I think both of us are excited about the opportunity to see that number grow today. It's four or five companies in the game. We'd love to see that be 10, 15, 20 companies in the game. And our goal is to really provide them with a very proven, reliable, successful model. It may not be the biggest model, it may not be the only model, mm-hmm. but it's a model that we've got enough experience in through those first 20 hires and growing yep. to say, hey guys, we, we, we have a formula we think works yeah. and we know why it works. Right. Uh, it's built on the right principles, the right foundation, the right caring. And we think this is a model that can be replicated. This is a model that can help other companies and, and individuals on the sidelines 
come together and create opportunity. So what keeps you up at night? That's my next question. You can change one thing about your industry, about the projects you work on. It's that thing that keeps you up at night, Rich. Is there something that stands out for you? Well, I think for us, we're seeing signs over the past couple of months of a lot of volatility in the market and the economy that could signal some business downturn. And that, of course, can lead to hiring downturn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so while we're trying to create more opportunities and serve more returning citizens, I do worry about the broader business environment, Mm -hmm. uh, continuing to sustain a solid foundation that will will underpin that. Beyond that, we've got the same headaches and crazy challenges that any business has. We've got facilities challenges, people challenges, IT challenges, all the stuff that on any given day keeps it interesting. Yeah. And so, quite honestly, I wish there was just one thing that kept me up at night. Yeah, right. It's usually about 10 things. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. (laughs) Sounds normal, though. Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Bill, you may have already touched on this. What's that one thing that keeps you up at night? It might be transportation, but you can add to that if you want, if there's something else that you wrestle with. Man, if we could just change this one thing, it would really be a game changer for what we're trying to accomplish. And it could be related to Stockwell or it could be related to the Sidelines Project. Actually, it's succession. I'm 65 years old. Right. And, you know, we need to have a clear path for future leadership of the business. Yeah. And we need to find a future CEO would have the same values Mm -hmm. at heart. Mm -hmm. That's important to me. Yeah. I can see why that would keep you up at night. Yes, definitely. We got to continue on. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something tells me, though, you have at least another good 25 years in you. There you go. I wouldn't be able to say that with my wife sitting next to me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I'm going to add one comment, yeah, please. Matt, that is something that's on our mind at Baker Industries as well. And that is that despite all the good work we've done with Philly Manufacturing, you know, it is still an uphill climb to have our society develop the mindset that looks at individuals coming out of uh, incarceration mm-hmm. with an open mind, yeah. sees their potential instead of their criminal record, understands their capability instead of concerns about their reliability. Mm-hmm. And so I worry because there's so many returning citizens coming back to our community that if we don't build a broader sense of understanding, Mm-hmm. we're still going to have way more need and challenge than we want. Yeah, for sure. So, Rich, in that spirit, and we didn't touch too much on your background and your career growth. You did reference your focus in management, in healthcare, life sciences types of roles. And where I'm going with this, and Bill, this is a similar question for you. In the spirit of our program, Growing Greater, Share with us that piece of advice that you offer to a young person or someone who's in transition. They could be, you know, mid-career, but they're thinking, it's time to try something new. I haven't been happy doing this, and I want to forge a new path in my career, in my personal and professional life. They're listening to this podcast now. What kind of advice do you give to them about navigating that next step in their life and in their career? Well, I've always tried in my career to do the harder thing when faced with a choice, something that was a little more challenging. I've always tried to choose the more challenging thing because I figured I'd learn more. And that certainly applied as I considered moving from for-profit to the nonprofit space. Mm-hmm. It always brings rewards. And so I would, if I had one piece of advice to give folks, it would say, hey, try to identify always a way to challenge yourself and choose that thing. Bill? I often reflect on what I stand for. 
and you know, I stand for providing great service and adding great value to customers. I stand for making my work a great place to experience, to build and grow lives. And I stand for family. Family is very important too. Family and faith. So mm-hmm. it's what I stand for. And I would encourage people in a midlife crisis, for example, to get away and get the pad of paper out and really focus on what they stand for and then grow from there. It's all about impact and inclusive growth. And Bill and his team at Stockwell Elastomerics are delivering that impact every day for their clients and for people who need it the most, those who are now able to get off the sidelines of life and into a job, living Teddy Roosevelt's philosophy of having the chance to work hard at work worth doing. And it's thanks in part to the amazing and selfless work happening at Baker Industries. Please be sure to learn more at bakerindustries.org and consider supporting this unique, charitable nonprofit organization. As we wrap this episode of Growing Greater, join me in thanking the team at Ballard Spar. With deep, proud roots anchored firmly in Philadelphia for more than 130 years, the Ballard Spar team, which consists of more than 650 attorneys in 15 offices, is known for their ability to respond wherever and whenever their clients need them. Ballard attorneys provide results-driven counsel and exceptional service in litigation, business and finance, real estate, intellectual property, public finance, and so much more. In addition to their hallmark of responsiveness, the firm's mission and values, known as the Ballard Way, is a fundamental distinguishing characteristic of this iconic Philadelphia law firm that today has a national reach and prominence across the U.S. You can learn more at BallardSpar.com. Hey, folks, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends and colleagues and family and through social media. Special thanks to Citizens Bank for supporting this installment of our From the Neighborhood series. Tune in to other episodes of Growing Greater at Radio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.